0: Welcome to a new era of And Introducing. We still love words about music, and we aren't abandoning our precious books, magazines, and other word based materials just yet. But we're trying out a new format of words about music, and that's conversations with musicians we love and respect. Today, we're talking to Dan Beckner. Dan is a Canadian singer, songwriter, and guitarist. In 2003, he formed Wolf Parade with Spencer Krug in the beautiful city of Montreal. <laughs> But that's not the only band Dan has played with. Not by a long shot. He's been in handsome furs. Divine Fits. Operators.
1: It's a house of that you know not there.
0: He's also been playing in the touring lineup of Arcade Fire, and he's cooking up a little something special, music-wise, which we'll talk about soon. Isn't that mysterious? Enough of the preamble. Let's talk to Dan.
2: Hi, and welcome to And Introducing, a podcast about words, about music. I'm Chris Wade. I'm Molly O'Brien. And introducing for the second time on this show, it is our good friend, Dan Beckner. Uh, first guest in what we are thinking of as maybe phase two or phase three of the show. Yeah. Long term listeners will know that the show has always been built around us talking about musicians' memoirs, and I don't think that that's going to be going away for us, uh, but Molly and I have been uh, chatting about what we like doing with the show, what we want to do with the show, and frankly about the incredible network of people that we've been putting in touch with through uh, doing Chapo and doing and introducing, and we want to uh, spend a little more of this feed uh, just chatting with musicians about making music and how they live and work uh, in our increasingly sclerotic, uh, music <laughs> industry. Nice word. Thank you. That's Ooh. a, that's a, uh, Matt Chrisman word. uh, <laughs> shout, shout out to the boy, uh, in recovery doing better, better by inches every day. Uh, so I mean, but I hope that doesn't make it sound like we're doing, uh, you know, like 2020 for music stories, inside we're, the
0: musician's stu- studio. Yes.
2: We are still going to be just hanging out and, uh, chatting and having fun. But Dan, welcome yeah. back to and introducing.
1: Hi. Thanks for uh, thanks for having me, guys. Yeah.
2: So we are here. I guess we could also do a location <laughs> reveal. Uh, Molly <laughs> and I are now the Los Angeles-based husband and wife podcasting duo. Yeah. That's where the action is. It's it where, where, the action
1: where is. all the music is made. It's yes. where all the deals are made. Big deals are being made. Who's going on tour? When are they going on tour? Yes, exactly. you know? <laughs> the
0: Capitol Records uh, building, you know, yeah, um, looming on the skyline.
1: Your booking agent is talking with his Live Nation <laughs> rep and he's like, uh, we know that this band is going to sell almost zero tickets, but <laughs> if you hook me up with this show, I will get you a band that will sell tickets <laughs> in Fargo.
0: I need see. I and need. That's I need how to the sausage about, is made. I need to know about these conversations. Yes. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, it,
2: we are following the classic a classic band uh, archetype: is that we we ground up from the bottom in the 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 hot house DIY uh, you know <laughs>
1: borough of Brooklyn, New York, the
0: scrappy, and then now
1: we are ready to go deal mode. Well, maybe you want a backyard. Maybe you want to plant some tomatoes. Yes, yeah. exactly.
0: We're going. Yeah, it's we're, cottage cottage core. Yeah, we're yeah.
1: homesteading. We're yeah. <laughs> <laughs> maybe you want to feel the rays of the sun. <laughs> that that is true. Yes.
0: That does
2: feel good. But Dan, what brings you currently to Los Angeles?
1: Well, I'm I'm here seeing you guys. So. Ah, yes. Aww. yeah. I, and I'm on a I'm on a break right uh, now. Yes, um, uh, I'm on a hiatus from uh, touring and recording. And yeah,
2: so touring, you have been playing with a little outfit called Arcade Fire recently. Yes, and you know, I, we we can go back and we'll, we probably will go back to the the very beginning of the the Beckner story and and chat about uh, all your acts. But you know. That seems like a a, a quantitative level up in, yeah. t- in terms of, like, the size and scope of shows that you've been doing, at, even after doing shows for two and a half decades and stuff. Yeah, uh, yeah. What's that been like?
1: I mean, it's been wild. Like, I have experienced those venues as an opening act, mm-hmm. for which uh, I would say 90% of the time is awful yeah it
2: really seems like it sucks being the opener for an arena or stadium tour
1: yeah arena amphitheater or stadium tour it really depends on the band Mm -hmm. and and their crew and unfortunately you know there are it is few and far between that you have a nice band Mm -hmm. with a nice crew (laughs) and nice uh sort of tour management people in between those Mm -hmm. two groups because even if the crew is nice and the band is nice if the tour management side is not so nice you are going to get shafted
2: yeah uh, so and the thing that i always think of is like when you're going to see like these arena or stadium shows you know it, it's a really different type of audience too there it the bigger the show is the more the majority of people are just there to see the headliner and could not be bothered thinking about or just the
0: fandom really ranges from in intensity from you know diehards to people who are like ah i've i've simply found a cheap ticket for tonight yeah absolutely
1: the 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 bigger the venue the less uh the less invested in the opening act yeah unless it's a co-headline and i have experienced that with arcade fire Mm -hmm. in that um you know wolf parade opened for arcade fire on the everything now tour in there It, it was like a B market tour of the south basically. Okay. Okay. Um, I, re- I remember and seeing And some northeast states like we did a Montreal show, but it was uh it was pretty intense. It yeah. was like you know, but you kind of like when you sign on to those shows, you just kind of accept that you will maybe be playing for people who are like still filtering in
2: mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's like a 5 percent full arena, which yeah, always yeah, feels exactly. a little dismal, you know?
1: Yeah.
0: But it, it hits even like I saw um with God, was that just last year? I saw Red Hot Chili Peppers play uh, at MetLife. Yeah. And the fucking strokes open for them and people were filtering in. It was like daylight still, and like people. It was like half full, not even half full, and I was just like, "It's the Strokes." Yes. Yeah, who
1: could like re- reasonably play an arena on their own? Yeah,
0: so. It's so it, co- it comes for everybody, I guess, unless yeah. you are literally Paul McCartney or something. It'd be funny if he opened for someone
1: else at an <laughs> arena. Just do a, a cheeky four songs. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's a, it, it. hopefully will be a dying uh, mentality within like within the crew and 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 band on the crew and band side of it. I feel like. As more as more of these grizzled like road dogs uh you know can't uh live on a bus for eight months out of the year yeah. m- the more you're gonna see more sort of holistic touring mm. also i think i I do think having women uh taking over predominantly well, were predominantly male roles in the sort of tour management side is extremely helpful.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I can see that.
1: Uh, Not so, always, but yeah.
0: Can I ask say, you know, say you're playing one of these shows, you know, with Arcade Fire, who do you interact with in a day like on a show day? Like in terms of the personnel?
1: The personnel. Well, you'll interact with security when you get to the building, Uh Um, and you know, the bigger the tour, the more um, sort of esoteric and voluminous the book of (laughs) the 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 book of uh, passes is. (laughs) Like, like you've got the green pass, you've got the blue pass. I was just gonna imagine the color credentials. You know, you might have your laminate, but you might need a special wristband to get back. Mm -hmm. And the more information that gets thrown at. You know, venue security. The, the uh, and the more layers of uh, approval or disapproval they have to go through on the radio, the more confusing things get. Yeah. So, so that's that's somebody you definitely interact with. Uh, you would interact with you know your own people mm-hmm. uh, who are shuttling you to and from the stage. Uh, you would interact with the people at catering. <laughs> yes. Um. You would interact with any of the guests that uh, your bandmates uh, might have. <laughs> okay. And, Sometimes, who are quarantined in the VIP section.
2: You know? Uh huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> yes. I, I guess this feels like very naive. Like, like, when do you show up to do like a Barclays Center show? Like in the day? Like, new, are you there at like noon or there, is there like a guitar test? Yeah, like tech I mean, the up?
1: stage is generally set for you and your instruments have been checked to mm-hmm. see if they're working. And then you arrive in the afternoon and you do your sound check and you start mentally like fussing about have I had enough to eat what am I going to eat yes. is it going to upset my stomach <laughs> how's my tummy if yeah tummy check yes. or tummy uh-huh. anxiety uh-huh. yes um how tired am I if I have two coffees before sound check is that going to make me jittery and then I'm going to feel crappy before the show and then I'm going to have to have another coffee to counteract that so you start thinking about all that and
2: stuff. you're doing like um, on tours like this like four or five shows a week
1: probably yeah yeah it's yeah, about that which for me is just so breezy. Oh, yeah? <laughs> Cause, yeah. Because my, my experience touring has been, you know, kind of weird, but, like, consistently anything between 15 people at, like, an art space mm-hmm. in Lithuania and then, like, large theaters. Yeah. And then festivals. So, but because I've had multiple bands, I've always kind of been experiencing those timelines simultaneously Mm -hmm. on top of each other Uh so So you're
2: you're popping back and forth between these scales of things like the beginning of the year you're doing you know like 600,000 cap theaters or probably more for Wolf parade now as well like what what do you you guys do like 3,000 caps something like that yeah yeah about
1: that and then and then
2: you'd go out out with operators and you're down to like 300 yeah yeah, 300 500 unless
1: you're in new york or los angeles and then it's like 1,000 1500 you know so and then if you're touring sort of the non-standard places in Europe, it's anybody's guess what you're going to get. Like, <laughs> yep. Operators played in, you know, uh, Kiev, like right before the pandemic at this place called Control. And it was absolutely packed. Oh, yeah. Well, the night before, we had played in Venezia to a very enthusiastic audience of about 45 people of okay. all ages in an old Soviet uh, youth cultural center. So, Perfect. So you know, like, but I think that's good. I think it's good to be able to experience those things all at the same time because then, then you know, you don't get you don't get fussy and you don't get used to things, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is <laughs> the, like brain brain poison. <laughs> yeah, for musicians.
2: Sorry, I'm just checking
1: my recording. Are you recording in, uh, Logic? Uh, audition. 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 Yeah. What is audition?
0: It's Adobe. An Adobe product. product.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Nice. What is the company that just bought all of that? Some fucking bullshit cloud storage companies? You know about uh,
0: that. Oh, I I don't know what, what it is. I just love getting emails from Adobe every year that's like, we're charging you more money for no reason. Well, they,
1: brought, they bought that and Pro Tools. Okay. So like, which is the industry standard. Right. That's the other big garbage music industry news is like this, just like tech startup company. Let me find it. It's a hedge fund that also <laughs> dabbles in cloud computing. Oh my God. Uh check this out. Look at this is I mean, this is analogous to the Bandcamp thing, but yeah. STG has admired Avid's heritage as a uh, as a category creator and pioneer in the media and entertainment software market. Oh my god. We look forward to leveraging our experience <laughs> as software investors to accelerate Avid's growth trajectory with a deep focus on innovation, artificial intelligence. Yeah fucking morons. I love,
0: I love leverage. I love leveraging things. Yes. Like that's good. Yeah.
1: it's That's well, a positive I, ad, uh, verb. As an artist, I really love hearing uh, the parent company talk about leveraging. Yeah. Yeah. And optimization. Yeah. I can't, I can't you wait know,
0: until Gen Z starts uh, running these like, you know, gigantic hedge fund companies would be like, no, no cap. This, uh, this, uh, this cloud computing is going to be absolutely buzzing. <laughs> it's <laughs> yes, the realest
1: it's, shit you've ever seen. Yes, re- fa-
0: Facts. Facts. facts.
1: facts. Yeah. All right. We're back in. Okay. Um,
0: yeah. Okay. We're tra- we were, were talking, talking about, about, you know, being, being nimble with, you know, scale what, and scope scale of show. And scope. Yeah. But I, I need to ask about what, what is, what's crafty like on the, yeah. on the arcade. Fire this is
2: what Tour. I was going to get into. How do you, how, what's your regimen? Like, how are you, uh, how are you keeping yourself alive? How are you keeping yourself he- healthy?
1: Uh, you know, um, I'm not drinking, uh, before the show. Nice. Uh, not drinking in general really anymore, but, uh, yeah. Um, juice, Lots of juice, mm-hmm. okay.
0: Like I, a fre- like a cold pressed uh, juice, like
1: three type of thing? pressed little juice shot, little juice shots. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but not too many because you don't want to upset your tummy. <laughs> and then uh, coffee and uh, high protein. You know, um, you need carbs. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean- I'll, I'll be honest with you guys. I just eat whatever they put in front of me <laughs> um, <laughs> within reason. Yeah, you know? like I'm not going to eat a bag of cookies and then go play. I like to leave a couple hours before. I, yeah. I
2: feel like you have the are either two route, routes where it's like by pure instinct of just being like, okay, what, what's in front of me? What can I get? How much am I going to do this? Or like the hyper regimented, I need to eat exact. I need to consume exactly these five things yeah. between like noon and 5 PM on the day of the show or else I'm going to be a mess or, it, or stuff like that.
1: We, we did recently play a European festival and I won't say where, but okay. um, the festival was amazing mm-hmm. and the country and the city is, uh, infamous for for incredible food. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So not England. That was not England. Okay. I was really excited about the catering. Went to the catering and was confronted with uh, like crust punk festival catering. <laughs> okay. Basically. <laughs> like...
0: Like a homemade casserole or something, like, like a lentil. like yeah,
1: So you're saying lentils, and that featured so that, you know <laughs> under undercooked lentils, uh-huh. uh, some frozen vegetables, which are you know I, I don't have anything against frozen vegetables, but there's a way that um, a certain European type of punk cooks frozen vegetables where they it's just like all of the color disappears. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's like y- a yeah. paste almost, but the lent- <laughs> but the lentils are somehow undercooked. Yeah, so. Yeah. Yeah.
2: So Um, yeah, like a a gruel or goulash style meal. A punishing gruel. (laughs) A punishing gruel. Yeah,
0: Yeah. that's like you know you hear about like the the punk houses and uh like buying bulk things and it's just like it's never it's never going to be good. It's never going to be great.
1: No, no. And you know the punk the punks idea specifically. I mean, no disrespect to all disrespect to anarchists, but the punks idea, (laughs) the punks idea of like uh. We' are cooking international cuisine mm. is is exactly the same as the hippie idea of We are <laughs> cooking international cuisine, which is just like I'm gonna throw half a thing of a uh, two year old curry powder. yes, yes, <laughs> into some chickpeas, and then the thing that'll bind it together will be tap water. And- <laughs> <laughs> and it's going to be, uh, yeah, it's going to be a, a, just a flavor odyssey.
0: <laughs>
1: Pineapple, because I saw that once, you know. <laughs> okay,
0: I saw that once. Yeah. There's a place in uh, Burlington, Vermont, where I'm from, where, called Stone Soup. And it's, a vet, it's all vegetarian. I think it's been there since at least the 90s. And it just, everything tastes like cumin. Like, everything. Yeah, like don't they no have matter, a fucking they, cookbook? They, I think they do, yeah. Yeah,
1: the stone soup cookbook. Yeah. Which, I, I, maybe this is the patient zero for this type of cooking. Yeah. You know? It yeah. definitely
0: seems like
2: from that, yeah, like, 70s hippie tradition uh, of, like yeah, embracing internationalism with, with minimal, uh, yeah. you know, understanding. Well, yeah.
1: it's also, inter- it has an internal contradiction of, like, the inherent kind of, like... Uh, uh, self-denial, Protestant self-hatred mm, of, yes. Uh, health food, mm-hmm. and then the yearning for uh, sort of... Uh, the boomer idea of like a global community, yeah, Yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah. and those two things just fight each other in the bowl, <laughs> in, and in and your then, stomach, and yeah. then give you gas. Stew,
0: stews without borders, <laughs> stews, yeah, stews without stuff.
1: borders, yeah.
0: Oh man, broth brothers without borders, yeah, brothers to... Br- broth broth and arms, yeah, yeah, yeah. brothers and arms. There we go. It's good. It's good stuff.
2: So, so do you find so you did a big uh, for this tour, a big leg in both Europe and America. Yeah. Do you still find that there there is like a qualitative difference between like touring at that level and in europe and here
1: yeah there is there is it's it's weirdly uh it's it's like different facets mm-hmm. um but i think the higher level of touring in europe especially in the southern european countries the the infrastructure itself isn't maybe as modern mm-hmm. as because we were playing in like soccer we played in a soccer stadium yeah in warsaw that was amazing it was like very Communist, like uh-huh. <laughs> very much my shit. You know, maybe not Br- brutalist. Francis, yeah, good, and <laughs> in a, in a bullfighting ring in uh in in Portugal. And you know, we did we did two nights at that bullfighting ring, and it was amazing. Cool, it was incredible. And then here, it's like you're playing at these kind of gleaming, at least in the sort of major markets, you're playing at these gleaming new sports arenas, which is great when you're on stage. But then the backstage infrastructure. They'll be like, you know, the American Airlines uh, Avion credit lounge (laughs) that's just got like low resolution pictures of like baseball guys that I don't know who they are. (laughs) I mean, it it seems it feels like an airport lounge. Yeah. Yeah. That would be maybe where catering was or the VIP section. Yeah. So which is something you kind of got to get used to. I I mean, I
2: don't want to like. A like humble brag or uh, look a gift towards the ma- mouth, but you got us backstage after the Barclay Center show to the little like hangout yeah.
1: afterwards. Yeah, yeah.
2: And I was just kind of, it was, it was a lovely experience. I love being back there. We had a, a good time hanging out, but it was very funny that the facility, it reminded me of like the room you would rent to have a birthday party at a Chuck E. Cheese. Yes. It was, like just concrete walls, drop ceiling, and you know, and it's some like, like
0: cur- ad hoc like, curtains yeah. to like separate things out. Yeah. 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 Yeah, you you'd expect like the big shiny new like yeah. basketball zone and Bro- like that like kind of yeah blew, blew up downtown Look, Brooklyn would have like Jay-Z, something swaggy. Jay Z oh, started this yeah. this arena. Where yeah. where is the lounge have, have style experience? you ever been, a, have you ever yeah. been to a forty forty club? He knows he knows a night nice, yeah. nice atmosphere. But,
1: but I mean, I I think it's just indicative of like the the shittification of everything. Yes. you know, yeah. like it's it's just it's everywhere. It's just aesthetics. And, so, yeah, like.
2: Yeah. And so I, you know, you assume like this, what I would assume, and you can correct me if I'm wrong about like the bullfighting arena is like, this is it's older. So like the facilities aren't as new, but there has like a character to it. But that also probably means that like your changing room or whatever is like a, like a century old, like stone bathroom that's Haunted, made
1: yeah, dead bullfighter. The, the yeah, and bulls wardrobe. There is like this tiny sort of a uh, stone hallway, concrete hallway. Mm-hmm. And getting around is insane and mm-hmm. it's, it's a bullfighting ring. So it's really, the stairs are really pitched. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Yeah, and it's a maze. But that's one thing that all these places have in common is uh, unless you follow the arrows, unless the signs are uh, clearly posted, you will get lost. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It, the uh,
2: the the Spinal Tap scene where they're yeah. trying to get on the stage. Yeah, I've, exactly. I've had it's that real. experience many times doing even doing chabo shows. Yeah. 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 Where I'm just like trying to get the boys to like in
0: hurting. one room and be like, "Do <laughs> not leave here because
2: you will get lost." <laughs> yeah.
0: Uh, Dan what do you think of this the sphere the have you have you encountered this sphere I'm aware, I'm aware have of this p- sphere have you pondered this sphere every time i see this
1: sphere i'm like i think like the year is 2050 and grognar <laughs> the water lord of the southern <laughs> desert <laughs> is conducting his annual blood fest Yeah. yeah you know like yeah. i'm just imagining the sphere completely uh, abandoned surrounded by radioactive dust every time i look at mm-hmm, it. yeah it.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: yes uh, when we do, when we put together our Killers jukebox musical, it can be uh, set in the the shadow of the of the post apocalyptic sphere, the defunct. Sphere. This is something we've talked about o- off mic and the the post Green Day American Idiot uh, jukebox musical. Who will be the next world, great? Who would be the uh, next one? Rock... And we're like, you know what yeah. would we'll be really obvious? The Killers. Yeah, yeah, absolutely.
1: Absolutely. Uh, they practically ju- wrote it themselves. Yeah. That's a nice thought. Is like a cracked <laughs> sphere with like sort of a violet. Sunset and just radioactive dust swirling around, and the fear just emanating. I've got soul, yes. but I'm not a soldier. That's <laughs> yeah. a like
2: an ancient MP three that's still running yeah, off of like some the Mandalay Bay's backup super generator, super low bit
1: rate. Yeah. Like that's a <laughs> fitting requiem for yeah. uh, the West. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. So we're talking about your most current tour, but I figure we should dip back because, you know, one of the reasons, one of the things that we've been talking about is that we wanted to kind of use chatting with you as like a way to talk about the, as, as you referenced, the inshittification of everything and just kind of the arc of being a professional musician in the um 21st century. Uh, and we will be talking about a little, some business stuff and like some of the, the shapes of the marketplace and especially the digital marketplace. But I guess I'd go back to the beginning and say, at what point, were you like, okay, I can live playing music?
1: I I can pinpoint that exactly, mm. which was uh it was two thousand and five mm-hmm. and I had been a member of Arcade Fire uh briefly on and off, uh for a couple of years prior to that. Mm-hmm. Um and you play
2: you play on some of those on some of the um Funeral tracks. I like didn't. It.
1: I didn't play on the record, but yeah, I was playing like, okay. in and around that time. And Arlen from Wolf Ray plays drums on Wake Up. Uh, Tim yes. from Arcade Fire plays on Fancy Claps and Shine. He plays bass on Shine a Light. Um, mm-hmm. So we we were always kind of trading members, and we did a tour with them, opening for them. Uh, funeral had come out, and Apologies was just about to come out. We toured out to the West Coast, and then we split off from them and played a show at Shuba's in Chicago mm-hmm. right I, right as the record dropped
2: I was I at one of these shows I, I swear <laughs> the, that it was
1: the first show we played after the record came out
2: yeah I think that I was at that show that would have been 2005 yep. Um, I, it would have been my first week of no going to college <laughs> and I kept skipping out on uh new student orientation to go see shit go see shows in town and one of them was a wolf, i believe a wolf parade arcade fire
1: show that's amazing
2: or it would have been a wolf parade solo
1: yeah, yeah yeah it was at shuba's we had our merch guy um doing lights which was just basically he would keep the stage completely dark mm-hmm. he's this, he also designed the cover of that record mm-hmm. he kept the stage completely dark while we were playing And then after the song was finished, he would press all of the buttons on the lighting console. (laughs) He didn't know how to do lights. And it was like a UFO landing in between songs and then black stage during the performances.
0: That's that's a choice. I mean, it was a choice. That is a, that's a vibe. I don't remember
2: the lighting then, but I do remember seeing another, (laughs) seeing TV on the radio, I believe at Shuba's sometime around that uh, point where whoever was running the fog machine was going absolutely crazy. And one of the the TV on the radio guys, after about three songs, had to like go up to the mic and like float, like, away, and be like, "I can't. We can't see anything."
0: Can you cool it with really the fog It's really hard
1: to sing and play when you're getting fogged out. Yeah, you know? <laughs> like. It really is. Hazard, hazards of the trade. So we, we played that show and at the end of the night, uh, they gave us $2,500 because we sold it out, but we, we didn't have a door deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, we probably should have got a door deal, but we... Wait, how
2: were you booking shows at that point? Did you uh, uh, like, have a agent? We had
1: a booking agent. Yeah. yeah um, which, if you are in a band mm-hmm. and you're thinking, should I hire a manager who's going to take 15 to 20% of everything that I do? And then get a booking agent for shows who's also going to take ten to fifteen percent of those shows. Hire the booking agent first, and mm. then and then think about whether you even need one yeah. manager.
0: This is hot. This is a hot tip.
1: I I mean, yeah. I mean, just, I mean my, my limited depends on what kind of music you make, yeah. and what p- kind of person you are yourself, sure, and what your capabilities. How many how many emails much... you
0: are willing to send on yeah. your own behalf?
1: Yeah, exactly. Yes. And and like how organized you want to be, but um, but yeah, um. So we had a booking agent, yeah. which was really helpful.
2: I yeah. mean that that is one of the things that I have gleaned from even doing the very like low key, low stakes, you know, basically just for fun touring that Chapo does. Mm-hmm. Is that the yeah the Part of the corporatification of all of this stuff is that it is for various venues like almost impossible to interface with them without being part of that like booking infrastructure. Yeah, you can't yeah. just like cold call venues because you need to be part of like the Live Nation ecosystem. And you that, know?
1: that's something new too the the sort of monoculture or the mono- monopoly around mm-hmm. booking that really solidified during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. You know, there are there are there were formerly pretty big ish venues. I mean, for a band that's just starting out, I guess big ish would be like Shuba's. Shuba's is a big deal. Yeah. If you're just starting out, mm-hmm. um, it's not the biggest venue in the world. It's a small venue, but like, yeah, the stuff like that, there were independent venues and then, then there are not so many independent venues anymore. And if one company owns all the venues, then the idea is that those small venues act as a feeder and mm-hmm. booking agents have deals with, different Live Nation reps so its bands are kind of like playing cards mm-hmm. and, you know you got to fucking fill dates and so more and more you kind of need someone who's in that world to be able to book you there it's just like and also you don't want to get ripped off yeah. you know so so we made 2500 bucks <laughs> uh US <laughs> and I was like, how Martin? was the exchange back then? <laughs> it was about what it is now. Okay. So it was fucking like pretty sweet to get paid in US dollars. Yeah. And, yeah. That, and at that point, I was still uh, working telemarketing jobs. So okay. I was like, this rocks. Yeah. And we weren't super good at accounting. So we were just like, uh, 750 for you, 750 yes. for you. You know, um, but yeah, it was that. And then shortly after the record came out, you know, we started touring. And then selling records. And I started getting, you know, SoCAN checks, which is the Canadian royalties. And, you know, getting royalties back from Sub Pop eventually. And, yeah, that was, I I was, we weren't making a lot of money, but I was definitely making more than I was making at uh, my telemarketing job. (laughs) And it wasn't destroying my life. Yeah. Uh, My mind. My mind. It was, yeah. It was destroying my mind in a way that I chose. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I don't think I realized you did telemarketing jobs.
1: I I did it for years did yeah
0: you, did you watch the telemarketer show
1: no
2: it's good if you did the if you did it i think you would enjoy it
1: i yeah what a, that at the time in montreal that was if you're an anglo um and if you're primarily an english speaker that was that was a way to make some quick cash but you know i did have an experience of going to work one day and like there's just bare wires and like the <laughs> vending machine is gone <laughs> too, you know
2: yeah it's fu- it's funny because i feel like now, did you, did you get that te- into that telemarketing thing through other people in the creative community? Because I, I find yes. that a lot of people, they, they tend to around in these places where there is like a big creative community that, that somebody will get into the door at some place like that. Or like a lot of my friends who are like aspiring actors or writers when we moved to New York, like found like some tour company that yeah. would like hire quote unquote performers to yes. like give tours. And it's, it's always a place like that where it's like, okay, here's the deal. It sucks. It doesn't pay a lot, but they'll hire basically anyone, and you don't have to take it seriously. Yeah, and when you and tell, tell you them you are like going bunch on like, tour, yeah, they're yeah. not
1: going to be like, "What?" Like, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, th- there was a job like that. I eventually landed the best one of those I had was uh, was a pharmaceutical research company. Okay, mm-hmm. that basically would run surveys whenever a drug company would make an oops, yeah, <laughs> uh, and needed some data to say that you know the oops wasn't our fault. Yeah. They would build these surveys that were like kind of a statistical uh, rat maze that would give the data that they wanted. Um, and then those surveys would be run on doctors, um, okay. most of whom were like, you know, just some of them were fine, but a lot of them were just like, when are you guys going to send more golf balls? Like, oh, my God. <laughs> just the worst all American shit. Right. Yeah. This is, yeah. This is Canada uh, calling America. So, but that, that was lousy. That place was lousy with musicians. Like everyone worked there. Yeah. And you yeah, know, I, always I, went, I didn't mind working there. Yeah, the I, worst one I worked at was called pieglobalcom.com.
0: <laughs> dot, uh, dot com.
1: Which was a B2B service uh, run by a Saudi fail son who was living in Montreal who rented uh, the top floor of an, uh, a big building on St. Laurent and had a fake, basically this fake scam company that would just call... You would call like Mom's Chicken Restaurant in like Poughkeepsie mm-hmm. and be like, uh, "This is Dan from PyGlobalCom I'm just calling to see if you wanted to renew your subscription." Oh my God! To Pie internet <laughs> database, <laughs> and they'd be like, "What?" And you'd be like, "Our da- well, if you remember, our database allows other people on the internet to see that your business exists. Oh, God. it's only six hundred dollars a month."
0: Ren- I love the renew. That's yes. great psychology. That's yeah. like the Chris has been tortured basically ever since uh Chapo incorporated as like a-, a company or an LLC or something is like this uh, company. So legally, apparently if you have a company in-, in America, you're supposed to post like legal shit on a wall in your office. That's like, you are entitled to sick, leave yeah, your entire, yeah. All like, like, the compliance, the stuff. very, yeah, the compliance yeah. stuff. And then there's this company that like, like
1: three days without an accident. Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah, exactly.
0: There's a company that like terrorizes new companies, I guess mm-hmm. being like, you need to buy our version oh, of the oh, printed out yes. thing. And they'll just like send you so much mail. Chris was getting called like several times a week, just being like, please lose my number. Yes, we're not, really not, we're not, we're a podcast. Yes, exactly. We're not yeah. a warehouse. And then of course, and of
2: course, you know, and I'm sure that, that you would, like, I mean, I don't, I don't need to pry too much into like, is there a wolf parade LLC or something? But I'm sure that as you get, you've experienced this is like, as you get more serious about these things, you find out like all the shit that you have to run through it when you will become, when you're like podcast or band or whatever becomes a business. And then suddenly you have some guy in Albany calling be calling you being like obfuscating that they don't actually work for the government of the state of New York, but are like, uh, but it's actually illegal if you don't give us 50 bucks uh, like right now. Yeah, I'm like, I don't know. I don't know these things. I don't know no better. <laughs>
1: yeah. Well, I mean, I really took advantage of that job because basically uh, the record had come out and I got my own office. They put me in um, accounts receivable. Okay, great. Uh-huh. So I had an office with a door that closed and an internet connection and a computer, which I did not have at home. Mm-hmm. So I just used that to promote the band as hard as I could.
0: Amazing.
2: Okay, so this is what I kind of wanted to, to get into. So Apologies comes out in 2005. Yeah. Um obviously that was a big deal for you. I remember that record being a big deal because I had followed Wolf Parade earlier from the EP days. Uh-huh. Uh, I saw you guys open for Modest Mouse in Cincinnati when I was still in high school. Kings when Island. You, baby. Yeah. The Kings Island. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and you uh, very, I probably have told the story on Mike before, but you, I, I went up to you guys afterwards as like a, a, a little teen. I was like, I, I only have enough money for a shirt or a CD. What should I get? And they were like, you were just like, give us 20 bucks and we'll give you both. And that's how I became a Die-hard early
1: Wolf Parade fan. Business mindset, yeah, you know? That's a deal right there. Um, and, and, like, at the same time, you know, that was, like, Napster era, like, LimeWire era. Yeah. And you had artists... I, I was actually surprised to see... Have you guys seen Me in the Bathroom? The documentary? <laughs> We have not. I've
0: not seen the movie, okay. no. Yeah. But
1: you read the book. Yes. And we I did know, the know, book you, I know you covered the book for the pod, but, yeah. like, in the movie, there's an interview with... I think it's Paul Banks uh, from Interpol, and he's talking about... Uh, Basically, how I wonder if he still feels this way how Napster killed their career, like really? their chances mm. of getting big. And Wolf Braid mm. had the complete opposite, mm. and th- which goes to the t shirt thing. Yeah. Which is just, we quickly realized when we started doing those modest mouth shows that people had actually heard of us outside of, you know, New York and Montreal and Toronto. Mm-hmm. And it was all because of fucking LimeWire. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and we, sold a shit ton of records because of it yeah and the same thing happened really with handsome furs too around 2007 but then it was starting to slack off you know? like
2: okay so this is a, the exact transition that i wanted to get into is that like that hitting at 2005 like right when digital music as an idea was like really breaking and being like oh this isn't just like piracy for nerds this is like a legitimate way of distributing yeah. Music and coming into things, and yeah, I guess I mean, you've already started to answer that, but you know, you've basically so do you have you basically always thought of your work as like an internet based job kind of in a certain way?
1: Yeah, which is weird. I mean, I prior to that, I thought of my work as like underground work that was supported by my conception of a network of artists who were connected by zines and maximum mm-hmm. rock and roll because mm-hmm. I. It came on the tail end of that, like mm. yeah. I mean, this is what I want to get
2: into because we've obviously covered like RBA could be your life stuff. And yeah. It does seem like that inflection point of being like, all right, we have built an under a functional underground economy that will support bands at a certain scale. As a lifestyle. Yeah. And then like maybe you are one of the few that pop and you're like Sonic Youth and get like a major label uh, debut or something. But still Or there is you this- have
1: an insane Protestant work ethic and you become Fugazi. Yeah. yeah, and, yeah. You, and you do everything yourself and you're playing hockey arenas, but you're charging $5. Yeah.
2: So, and you got, but you're now in a band, you know, as this like early aughts indie moment is happening where yeah. you're like, okay, now people are fe- learning about this thing, not from like, subscribing to a zine but from going to pitchfork.com yes and then pulling up itunes store and you know paying 99 cents for you know uh i'll believe in anything and like getting in like that so i mean so the first like phase of your career like really existed through that initial burst of like okay <laughs> online commerce can support like an indie rock lifestyle. Yeah.
1: And that bled into the other huge component that helped back then, which was, uh, shit like the OC, mm-hmm. like, tele- Oh yes. Like television. Oh, yeah. So television, were you, were,
0: were you synced on the OC?
1: I no, we weren't synced on the OC, Ugh, but um, never synced on the OC, but they were riding. you know, TV was network. TV was riding pretty high. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. Uh, you know, I remember even just in the sub-pop camp, there was, you know, so you had this transition of people that grew up working with zines and like using Maximum Rock and Roll's Book Your Own Fucking Life. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden they're playing music and it's getting popular. And then the Shins did like a McDonald's commercial, oh, yes, which everyone was talking about,
0: you know. <laughs>
1: but, in re- but if you talk to a 21-year-old about getting licensed in a McDonald's commercial mm-hmm. now, I think for the most part, they'd be like, yes, of course, I'm doing this. Like, how else am I going to make money?
0: Uh There's a, a duo, a rap duo uh, that I've noticed popping on TikTok. And they have, despite their debut album is not out, I believe they are signed to a major. And they have already done a Burger King ad. Now you do the ad first. yeah, And yeah. then you have the music.
1: Yeah. And there's not much ad money left. I <sighs> mean, there's not... The uh, you know, licensing fees for movies are like, I can't tell you the amount of times you get a licensing thingy thing and it's just like really excited to use a song, blah, blah, blah. It's perfect. Just so anyway, guys, just let you know the budget's really tight for music. And that's like, that is a new thing. That's yeah. like, well, a new thing as of the last, like I'd say five to 10 years. Yeah. You know? yeah. Prior to that, it was just gravy train. Like, yeah. Ridiculous amounts of money. Especially compared, those like,
2: like it, those syndicated tv shows because it's like every time it comes back up you get a, you get paid for it again right yeah
1: yeah and the upfront, you know and if you're not getting residuals in the upfront, front yeah. these were enormous they were like you'd buy a house mm. uh, yes you know?
2: Did, at that so at that time when you when that started happening and like yeah the Interpol was on it, OCs, right? You you Molly, you probably the ki- know the every killers, killer, you
1: probably um, know the, the I think soundtracks modest, back and forth. Modest modest Mouse was was. On there. Uh, did the breeders go on? Or no, I'm thinking of Buffy, maybe. Maybe, yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah uh, there's yeah, the bit ba- not the bait shop. Was it the bait shop? The bait
1: shop is a fictional box. OC, yeah. Uh,
0: ru- managed uh in the show by a Olivia a young Olivia Wilde. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh who was performing bisexual. Is no, and bisexual because she had, you know, purple hair. Yeah, she had the one purple streak in her hair, of course. Yeah.
2: So was that, as you were coming up then, was that felt, like, aspirational, like, or was there even some of that, because I know people talk about, like, oh, uh, I I feel like the the millennial or Gen X thing is people like, oh, people should have a shame about selling out again, but really... I'm firmly in the camp of like, look, if you can get somebody to give you money for your music, you
1: should take that opportunity almost hundred percent of the then,
0: time. And then, you know, have several million people yeah. potentially yeah. hear a song. I
1: mean, there was a lot of ideological struggle within um, struggle <laughs> session within. <laughs> there was, within <laughs> there, within <laughs> there was lots of splits in the end. Yeah, uh, a lot in, of yeah, yeah. The, yeah, there was the burgerists. Yes, there of was, course. you know, the, I don't yeah. know, Subaruists, <laughs> <laughs> but like, you know we all it, it all worked out like we worked it out amongst ourselves mm-hmm. you know and no one was happy but that's just organizing yeah. you know
0: <laughs> that that's the the compromise of organizing is yeah. that every everyone's a little bit uh, everybody miserable should be at the a little end. bit unhappy yeah, yeah. Uh,
2: just just as a i'm going to read from this you sent me right before we started a song trader article that yeah. is this long breakdown of uh taco bell uh sinks Yeah. recently and i just like some of the langu- language here here are some examples of, of recent syncs and how they've, they've done for the bands. Uh, a recent action-oriented advert for Taco Bell's $2 Grilled Chicken Burritos has a track from the pop-punk band Meet Me at the Altar. The song scores 90% on Song Traders' Energy Meter and features fast, aggressive-
0: Energy Meter! Yes. <laughs> well, Melodic hooks
2: and a youthful vibe that connects with Taco Bell's target audience. And then they have, can you see this, my dear? Yes, it's a, yeah. like a, a, a breakdown. What's the, what's or, the read, I see
0: a bunch of bar graphs. I'll read
1: some of these. Yeah. Uh, so just for listeners, Song Trader, no E at the end. It's yeah, Trotter. Yeah, Song Trotter um, <laughs> is a... Basically, a clearinghouse, publishing clearinghouse that has come into, I won't say purchased because uh, Epic Games purchased Bandcamp mm-hmm. and yes. then sold Bandcamp to whatever the fuck this is. Mm-hmm. Yes. Actually, I know what it is. It's basically, you know, uh, they provide royalty free uh, streaming music to uh, content creators, mm-hmm. which is like YouTube streamers. And they describe what they do as a little bit different than that, but. <laughs> You know, let yeah. be real. Uh and they have an internal algorithm, mm-hmm. which I would love to see the back end of. Yeah. I would love to see the science on this that ranks songs on danceability. Okay. Yes. Energy. Okay. Something called liveness. 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 This this and, song right? And I,
2: I have I, I have real questions about these things because the next one that they do is a turnstile song which ranks almost zero on quote unquote liveness. I'm like, look. If there's one thing you can say about Turnstile, those guys are fucking live. They're fucking live. Yeah. The
1: other, Damn. the other two that they have are uh, speechiness. Okay. Which I'm not exactly sure. I don't know whether that's like, uh, that's like, you know, the when you wordiness of when you it. go to the Fugazi show and then you get twenty minutes, <laughs> yeah. of, twenty minutes of not music before the thing. <laughs> Or uh, I don't know. I don't know what speechiness is. The wordiness, maybe words per minute. Yeah, it's yeah. like lyrical miracle shit. Like, <laughs> uh, and then the last one is the ominously cold. Valence.
0: <laughs> Valence,
1: Valence,
2: uh, Valence would be a good name for like an icy synthy
1: pop punk. I like uh,
0: a, yeah. I like a high danceability, medium Valence song. Yeah, yeah. That's where, that's my personal algorithmic sweet spot.
1: This is, this article uh, is incredible. And I think everyone should read it because if you want to know what's going to happen with the best, um, currently I think the best platform for people to sell their music <laughs> mm-hmm uh and also one of the better platforms for music journalism yes totally so, like, music journalism's really getting strangled and bandcamp has been you know pretty amazing and like they're they're sort of weekly rundowns of like specific artists or like, more difficult music that's yeah. maybe not commercial like they did a build, big thing on Built Workcut, who I love, mm-hmm. who's like an incredible guitar player, mm-hmm. who played in a noise band called Harry Pussy. Okay, I Net, remember Harry Pussy. Or, yes, it's him and uh, this drummer Idris Horios, who's amazing. She's incredible. But like, yeah, n- the Rolling Stones not doing built. No, not that anyone pays attention. But, but yeah, so. That was Bandcamp, and now Bandcamp is is run by by the the
2: Valence company.
1: Yes. God.
2: Yeah. So okay. So I wanted to track then this whole like little arc because of the disruption of the music industry that over the course of your career, because it's like you come out and like, I mean, at a certain point, were you feeling? did you ever feel positively about the iTunes store? Was that like ever a good deal for you?
1: In retrospect, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. I mean, maybe not exactly at the time, but I did feel good about it because selling a song on iTunes was the same as selling a single. Yeah. yeah, You know, and coming from a punk background or post, I, I would say post-hardcore
0: mm-hmm.
1: background, like we were just talking about mm-hmm. the sort of dying embers of that ideology. Um, you know, there were things about, iTunes and like pay for single song platforms yeah. that were cringy and kind of because you had to be mediated by Apple. Yes, exactly. And <laughs> kind of disturbing Those computer
0: dorks. Mm-hmm. Yes. And Dan- may- dancing with their iPods
1: <laughs> and maybe subconsciously, you know, everyone could tell where it was going. Yeah. Like, like, but, but it, it went bad in a way that I don't think anyone could expect.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so like, cause part of the thing that's been so, bizarre and unsettling about this is is the ephemerality of each of these new innovations because mm-hmm. yeah i mean I, molly and i we've talked about this a long time about like as we came of age as like m- music consumers like the itunes store was like basically a record store for us as like an 18 year old yeah like i'm not actually buying records until later i'm buying shit offline yeah but that only exists for like as we said before, we started recording like five, five years, five years, years and maybe, then maybe, yeah,
1: maybe, and they then had it, charts, yes, it fucking iTunes charts, yeah, yeah, this is the most downloaded. And you'd look and you'd be like, wow, this is great, this is, uh, it's like kind of disrupting radio, like yeah. commercial mm-hmm. radio.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, and then that moves on to the streaming moment, which is the part of everything like we were talking about Adobe, where it's like you don't own, you don't own anything. anything digitally, yeah, yeah, and then that is still completely dominant but then you had like the inkling of something that like Bandcamp that yeah. is one of the most beloved digital institutions of basically every musician that I and mu- hardcore music head that I know
1: and mm-hmm. equitable too yeah. and and Bandcamp I think I don't know if people have the correct I mean I'm sure people know what Bandcamp is but record labels with non sort of uh amateur artists or whatever uh you if you have a record deal you your record label can distribute your record through Bandcamp Mm -hmm. as Mm -hmm. just another platform for people to access and buy your music yeah is what i'm trying to say yeah and uh that's good Mm -hmm. yeah there are specifically like electronic music labels will have their entire catalog up there yeah
2: i mean as i dabble with djing it's like it literally is the only place where you can just go and find a song and buy it and have it to use in your DJ's. like it's, it's Sub Pop has stuff on yeah. Bandcamp.
1: Wolf Braid sells singles on Bandcamp, yeah. which it's is great. It's
2: shockingly difficult to just get a high-quality wave of a song.
1: Yeah. yeah. Like, literally, anywhere
2: Without dot, a, a dot wave without, file. Without, sadly,
0: I mean... Yeah. My, uh, my sister asked me if I could, um, put together a, uh, like a sort of mixed CD of, uh, the chicks, uh, songs for my mom, mm-hmm. uh, cause she really likes them. And I was like, you know what, why don't I do it up big instead of, you know, illegally downloading or ripping from YouTube? Why don't I get her some high quality files? I had to go to Amazon. I had to buy it on the Amazon music store. Yeah. Did that feel good? No, it did not. <laughs> I did not enjoy giving Amazon m- money for yeah. MP3 files. Yeah. That sucked. Uh, The other thing about Bandcamp that's nice is that the interface, you actually see, you know, how many albums or EPs or whatever a band has put out and it's Mm -hmm. like all in order and stuff. Yes. You see Apple Music? It's like... the Well, uh, Apple
1: Merge, it was like Apple Music and iTunes. Yeah. And then there was a sort of great merging. And I mean, everybody has had the experience of stuff that you've downloaded independently. Songs, if you're a musician Mm -hmm. or a podcast. Yeah. Audio files that you have created yourself. Mm -hmm. mm Mm-hmm. Uh, nothing is categorized. It's like a mess, and they have kind of it almost has become like abandonware in a weird way. Yeah, yeah. Whereas yeah. Bandcamp's interface was is pretty clean for now. For now, I mean, now <laughs> we'll that, see
0: what the va- the valence.
1: Yeah. So yeah. I mean, the,
2: you know, we're talking about this in the wake of okay, that the trade. You know, Epic Games creator Fortnite bought Bandcamp this summer. They just sold it to this music algorithm company of <laughs> unknown intentions. Yeah, this, the they that company immediately laid off half of the editorial staff, the people who do the hard.
0: I think it might have been half the staff. It was across half the of the board. entire staff. Of the, okay. Yeah,
1: it was almost all the editorial staff, and whoops, all of the people who were union organizers. Yes. Yeah, Uh-oh. yeah. But they claim that they didn't, uh, they didn't specifically target union organizers.
2: So the <laughs> assumption is that this thing is going to get like gutted and turned. Like all of these things, anything useful about it. Yeah, and you know, again, like we're talking about what is essentially a shop, you know, we are yeah. like ostensibly like indie DIY oriented people who are like, can somebody just have a thing that allows me to exchange money for goods and goods and services? The, merch, the merch table
0: is like the last pure <laughs> yeah. like yes. com- commercial like music experience we have. I would here's like the to t-shirt. Here's the album. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Please take my money. Um,
2: but I don't know. Where, where do you, obviously I, I don't think that you have necessarily any like special insight into what's going on with Bandcamp, but where do you see this all going in uh, the i next? have a
1: i have a prediction that i think is going to be unfortunately fairly accurate after mm-hmm. reading about um so one of the interesting things is when this sale went down i talked to a bunch of people i know people mm-hmm. at record labels other musicians people work in publishing and i was like do you know what song trader is
3: mm-hmm.
1: and across the board and these are not like there's not like you know, DIY tape label people. This is like, no disrespect to that. But I mean, these are people who would know the more odious elements of the music Mm -hmm. industry. And they were like, no, Ah. we don't. (laughs) And then I looked at their blog and brought up, you know, the the Taco Taco Bell placement ratings. That Taco Bell ad, I mean, just to add a little more uh, misery to this, that Taco Bell thing, SongTrader doesn't technically work with Taco Bell. The entire thing is a pitch to get Taco Bell to use their service. Uh, uh, yes, that, that's what I intuited because they're, you know, they're doing It's like a white paper now. kind of thing, yes. like and a it,
0: case study. Aye and it's aye. written
1: by a person who I don't want to blow up his spot uh, because... Times are tough all over for writing about music, mm-hmm. and I completely understand doing it. But it's it's very sad to me that it's written by somebody who has been a stringer for Noisy,
3: mm-hmm. for
1: unsound, for like has written about psychedelic bands in LA. Mm-hmm. You know, has, has also written for Bandcamp. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, and, the, and their discovery side.
0: I mean, that is. The, it's
1: fucking grim. The,
0: the the trajectory of music journalism in particular is that it seems like right now it is maybe 90 percent PR to 10 percent writers. And I think the PR are going to be the next to go. And then it's just going to be like industry content writing yeah. gigs.
1: Yeah. And the issue is, is that um, all of the sort of what I would call the not PR is not extraneous. I yeah. don't think, yeah. you know, PR is PR is necessary if you want to. You have to tell people. People, people got to know about people things. People got to know. People have to know about things, right? But um, I'm talking more like the middle management. The yeah, par- the parasitical class. Yeah, <laughs> has been. They were bad enough to begin with.
0: Uh huh.
1: But that entire class of people have been captured by the idea of this sort of vague Silicon Valley idea that they are all entrepreneurs uh-huh. and they are uh-huh. digital entrepreneurs, and then Song Trader. Uh, absorbing Bandcamp camp is 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 an incredible example of that because if you read song Trader's thing they're talking about fucking artificial intelligence yeah like every midwit uh person in this class yes mm-hmm. you know uh and i think personally what will happen is that eventually song, song trader now has this captured stable of content they have a vat of content yeah mm-hmm. uh and they will essentially be like we have a great opportunity for you. You can either submit to our absurd uh, rates mm-hmm. and have your songs be put into the big vat yep. where people who pay us subscriptions can use them royalty free yep. or you can get the fuck off the platform.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. I think that sounds abro- about right. Yeah, and they'll
1: destroy it. I yeah. mean, they've already gotten rid of the editorial staff. Yeah, so.
2: uh, yeah which will allow it to be a user... I mean, helped guide users because that was the big thing about Bandcamp mm-hmm. is, as we were talking about the interface is that it was beyond any of the other streaming platforms great for digital crate digging and that through their editorial like light but well-done editorial guidelines, through mm-hmm. the way that the music interacted with each other, through the fact that you could like
0: see- The, the metadata. The, the metadata, metadata, the
2: fact that you could see, uh, go to an artist page, see the people who had purchased that artist, see the other things that those people had purchased, the mm-hmm. very like
1: light social network, Mm -hmm. uh element of it it's it's rare that you see you know a lot of people see people in the industry will be like oh man things are getting bad and there's always this feeling that like how did this happen oh Mm -hmm. how's it happening like who's to blame it's pretty easy to figure out who's to blame you know Mm -hmm. like just look at south by southwest like innovation panels Mm -hmm. (laughs) seriously at like like what three years ago the same midwits who were uh telling your manager to tell your band to get an NFT sooner rather than later are the same midwits that are telling your manager to tell your band to start using AI to uh, uh, interface with your fans. Yeah, It's the same group of people. And you could probably fit them all into a small stadium.
2: (laughs) (laughs) All right. So I want to talk about, uh, like, obviously this is very grim, but we'll hopefully end on a a little happier note of upcoming projects for you. Because I did want to also talk about one other thing, which is the the Spotify royalties, yeah, uh, changing, where they're basically trying to kick a bunch of make it harder for smaller groups, smaller streamers on Spotify to make money off of it, and I guess just like the one thing that I'm I was thinking about in relation to this, and just like trying to keep bands and music active as like a small scale project, mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. also like many other things, the monopolization of 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 music and the increasing Uh, you know, dominance and attention suck of a few huge acts. Mm -hmm. And obviously I think this year, the one to point out would be like some, would be the obvious, the obvious choice
0: Taylor Taylor Swift, Swift. who is
2: like completely dominating the top line of music. And I think that she's very interesting. And I think that there's some interesting stuff that she's been doing about cutting out some of the traditional industry nodes Mm -hmm. to become more vertically uh, (laughs) integrated as Taylor Swift, the industry, which again is uh, kind of interesting. And there's like stuff that she's been doing to just like get record industries out of her or the record producers uh, out of her business, Yeah, Uh, which is kind of fun to see, uh, you know, the record companies get screwed, but it also is not to serve anything outside of
1: Taylor Swift. The
0: door, the door is kind of slamming shut yeah. behind her it's because like there's huge, only it's a
1: hermetically sealed. Yeah. Uh, yes, exactly. High rise. Yeah, and yeah. at the
2: same time, it's so dis- it feels destabilizing and other things. You know, like she is large to the point where she cannot interface with any other part of the music industry because it would just like destroy it. You know, mm-hmm. but, like we we were just talking about the idea of like, oh, would Taylor Swift ever headline Coachella or anything? It'd be like, no, it would no, ruin the festival. Yeah. Just because it would have to be like, okay. And she
1: would do her own festival. Yeah, she'd anyway. do her own festival. Yeah. Is like, it like you know
2: but you get what I, that's just like one yeah. example of that. Like her presence on a platform like Bandcamp or even like Spotify so weights it
1: towards one mega entity. Yeah, there's an extreme gravity yeah. and it's a kind of as above so below uh thing as in in that it's just a reflection of um how the I mean, it sounds cheesy, but it it is. It's just a reflection of how the broader economy is going. Yeah, yeah. The sort of hoovering up of capital to the very top. And, you know, if you are someone who is smart and you sort of assess the playing field and can manipulate that, then fine. (laughs) It was a combination of that and luck and, you know, right place, right time. The Spotify thing is interesting because... Uh, on a lot of levels because basically what they want to do is demonetize what they call low streaming artists. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I just recently discovered this great really fucking weird band called Eyes of the Amaryllis. Okay. uh, That is kind of an American like focus like the British band focus group. Like it's just Uh sound collage But it is very American sounding and it's Mm -hmm. very like of their place. I haven't really heard anything like it. Yeah. It kind of reminds me of the same feeling I got from like Bad Moon Rising, Sonic Youth. Okay, cool. Haunted, very American thing. Yeah. Cool. Um, It's not like easy listening. It's great (laughs) though. And difficult listening. It's difficult listening. <laughs> it's like the opposite of like cigarettes after sex or like chill vibes. It's yeah, like gonna yeah. you know, fuck your vibes up in a good in a good way. Yeah. Um. And you know that's for me. That maybe not for everybody else. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh. They do not have uh, as you can imagine mega streaming numbers. Sure. And mm-hmm. I was thinking about Spotify's demonetization program and thinking, man, this is really gonna fuck this band over. And without Bandcamp, there's kind of no recourse except for direct interaction with the consumer base or their fans or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just incredibly ironic because Spotify's uh, their reasoning for this, their public facing reasoning is because they want to quote, protect against fraud. Right. Mm-hmm. Because there are so many, uh, you know, white noise playlists to react, uh, to relax to you. Yes. And that is ironic because back in 2017, which no one remembers, Spotify was under fire for working with something called the Epidemic Music Group, which was... What a, uh, what
0: a great business name. Which <laughs> was just, was just yeah. an, a, a
1: production company that oddly had the same investors as Spotify mm-hmm. and was creating content that... And I don't know if it was ever uh, revealed or not, but it sure seemed like Spotify was putting content on Spotify and juicing their own playlist to stuff that they would not have to pay royalties on, which would then reduce their bottom line. Yeah. Which is kind of what they're talking about, quote-unquote, protecting against fraud. Well,
0: well, well, well. uh, If it it isn't the consequences of my own actions.
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean, they're just, yeah. Yeah, and then, I mean... It's it's a a bitter pill to swallow to hear Spotify talk about fraud and, like, ambient music.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs)
2: Uh, yeah, and I'm I'm not the first person to point it out, but it is just like the ultimate effect of that is like okay, so the existence of your low B bands is basically subsidizing your highest earners on on the platform. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it's it's it's
1: it's rough, but there isn't. There's got to be an exit, you know. Yeah, if, if mm-hmm. that Bandcamp model can be applied by say a different platform.
2: Yeah, hey. maybe there's uh, some platform out there that has already existed to support like maybe a subscription to artists or creators over time only that fans? are starting
1: <laughs> Yeah, yeah, only things. I mean and, and maybe if you could pay for a single piece of content, content without, like, yeah, like, without subscribing? Yeah, oh, some man. kind of like digital shop feature. Yeah. That'd be crazy.
0: I'm just wi- I'm just out here waiting for the return of CDs. CDs. And, and maybe that's plat- that's a that's a real non fungible token,
1: you know what yeah. I mean? Yes. I think CDs are coming back. Though. I think
0: they are too. And I'm wi- I'm willing to into Exi- yeah. yeah you yeah. can get a
1: wave of a, a wave file off of it well, and, and now vinyl records Z? are like 50 dollars so oh that's god like-
0: yeah exactly exactly i just saw yeah taylor Taylor swift herself has like a, a target exclusive like special color album that's like fully 40 dollars. i'm like yeah. god damn it anyway
1: yeah. cd cd
0: compact,
2: compact discs uh Maybe we should start pressing this pod to that.
0: That'd be hey, that If cool. you
1: press this to CDR and added some songs, yep. I guarantee you people would buy it. Yeah, but you need the platform to sell You it. do you need, need the platform. You, got, you
0: gotta have store. The I need store. to have
1: like distribution and stuff. And you, well, you want to sit back here with what six eight uh, CDR burners going at full, <laughs> full blast? You're like, is it done? You pull it out of the tray. The room is getting hot. You might, a, you might
0: as well be mining Bitcoin at that point. That's how we know? did the did first, the first two EV,
1: EVs.
2: Because yeah. I remember opening that and being like, oh, damn, this is just a CDR." We, <laughs> we would like,
1: say with Handsome Furs, but we would like run out of shit on tour and Haji, uh, the keyboard player, was the only guy with a laptop and had <laughs> the, like the CD-DVG drive <laughs> and we'd just go buy a spool of CDs. <laughs> just Holy just, like, shit. Just sit in the hotel room, the I hotel remember room putting, and just like burn. putting CDs in coffee filters and yeah. writing and writing <laughs> song titles on them and his uh, laptop getting so hot. I couldn't touch it.
0: <laughs> That's so sick. That's amazing. Now, and
2: the funny thing is, is that we're we are a hundred percent right back to there being like. There's so many groups out there that I'm sure young people would love to buy a hand burnt CDR with a individually numbered coffee f- filter label. Yeah. Uh, That's true. If, but if only there was a the clean mechanism to do it. If only. Uh, so I think we should move on to future projects. Do you have anything else that you'd like to touch on, Molly?
0: No, I think I, I would like to to hear about new, new, new tunes. All right. You've got a solo record.
1: I do. So for most of my career, I've had a lot of bands. And mm-hmm. when it, whenever I've had an idea, you know, I've wanted to house like, like-minded ideas, aesthetically similar ideas in the same um band-shaped container. I mm-hmm. started a band. <laughs> yes. Uh you know, and uh a couple of years ago I was talking with uh Jonathan Poneman, uh, the owner of Sub Pop mm-hmm. and uh my longtime NR person, Stuart, um, and and some friends. And I've had this criticism leveled at me is like you should have just called everything. Dan Becker. <laughs>
3: just,
1: and and jonathan really you know he's somebody i really uh i look up to him and i really respect him uh i mean anybody who put out their records I yes
2: think, yeah, yeah. yeah. Worthy of t- that tends to get yeah. you a lot a,
3: a, a yeah. deal a,
2: a good amount of cred in, the, in yeah. the biz
1: yeah um so so yeah i the more i thought about it the more it made sense and i you know, I just kind of decided, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to make this record. I don't have a, I, at the time, I didn't have an idea what it was going to sound like. I mm-hmm. was just going to, you know, write songs. I've always kind of sorted songs. You know, this is a Wolf Parade song. Yeah. It's an Operator's song. This is just like, you know, ambient synth stuff. <laughs> and this, I was like, I'm just going to write some pop songs and I'm going to put them in a container labeled Beckner. Great. and Hell it yeah.
2: is. Beckner with an exclamation point,
1: right? That's the title of the album. Yes, great. Oh,
0: hell yeah. <laughs> yeah. The,
2: the, the when you said, when you sent me the de- the demos and that, I saw that that was how it was listed. I was I did the Antonio Banderas like Yeah. Mm, yeah. So good looking <laughs> at the the laptop. Yes. Yeah. Um so that's coming out soon. Soon, yeah. Are on, you, on Sub Pop. On Sub Pop. And it's
1: it's really nice to be on that label. Um Operators was not on Sub Pop, you know. Uh Divine Fits not on Sub Pop, but pretty much everything else I've done has been on that label and I've worked with them for almost 20 years now.
2: Wow. Do you you refer to them as pop songs Are the would you say that the mood is much more like ex- explicitly like these are my like singer-songwriter pop songs versus like rock songs or or something like that?
1: Yeah, yeah, I would. I mean, I I think the idea behind this record was that there there was just no limitations to. I didn't think about how I was going to play it live. Mm-hmm. Mm. And I really I mean, not to sound cheesy, but it it is just a culmination of all the, you know, learning about synths, yeah. sequencing that I have done since 2007, like with Handsome Furs mm-hmm. and then Operators and Divine Fits and then uh, Guitar Pyrotechnics and, <laughs> and the band itself. I got to put together like a, a dream team band to realize these songs. Like I got to work with... Uh, Matt Chamberlain, who is an incredible drummer, mm-hmm. and he, he's played with Bowie and yeah. Dylan. He played on the Fiona Apple album.
2: Uh, so, so, did you put together kind of a studio band? Are you going to tour with these guys?
1: Uh, there will be touring. Yeah, yes, yeah. Uh, the other person I got to work with, uh, who just put out a record, which is a stellar record, but is uh, this guy Brad Laner from a band called Medicine? Who are one of my favorite bands. Uh, they were a sh- American shoegaze band, or they are an American mm-hmm. shoegaze mm-hmm. band. They put records out in the early '90s on Rick Rubin's American label, ah. and they are. He was in a band called Savage Republic, okay. which is incredible, like LA post-punk band. Uh, a lot of metal percussion, it's almost like Einstürzende with uh-huh. surf, Okay, with cool. surf guitars, like, <laughs> just the all inc- sounds great. I feel inc- like I've
2: maybe heard of that, but yeah,
1: incredible band. And then he started Medicine, and his guitar sound is playing has always been um just like fundamental for me i was really chasing that sound with a lot of the handsome the noisier Mm -hmm. handsome first stuff Mm -hmm. and the producer of the record uh was like why don't we get brad to play on a song and we sent him a song (laughs) he was like can i play on more and he ended up playing on on almost the entire record nice that's good feedback (laughs) and it was cool to like write guitar parts and send them to somebody who uh I'm, you know, and a huge fan of Mm -hmm. and have him like interpret them, Mm -hmm. you know, and play guitar with him on the album. So
2: this is coming out soon then you're back in the same thing that we were talking about at the beginning of the show is because you've got more arcade fire shows coming up you're going to mexico in a week or two or something yeah, like that and playing, then you're doing the touring on the the solo album sometime next year i assume yes
1: yeah so next year is uh tick tocking between arcade fire and and touring the solo album and maybe doing a little work with wolf parade and oh yeah good. yeah so like i think to be a working musician right now you gotta I gotta, gotta have a bunch of stuff, have, Yeah, you know, you gotta
0: let, you gotta leverage and yeah, I have yeah. my
1: Patreon as well. Um, you know, which is, which is kind of in the backdrop. I think the Patreon in a lot of ways led to the solo album. Yeah. You know, like,
2: is it, I guess that's like kind of the first thing that you put together where you were like, you subscribe for me. Dan Beckner. Yeah.
1: yeah. 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 That's it. With an exclamation point. Yes. Yes.
2: Um, <laughs> I think that that's about it. I mean, obviously we just, we love chilling, but you know, it's again, welcome to a a kind of new phase of the show where we hopefully we'll be doing more of these uh, episodes where we just like chill and talk about with our various musician friends about Mm -hmm. what it's like to just be working and doing their stuff as a musician. I think the uh, the book, the book reports will still be a part of the show, but you know, <laughs> book we, you're
1: writing your own book.
2: Right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, as, uh, listeners, long-term listeners will know we, we've been very infrequent with this project over the, since we finished, basically since we finished the big run through our Bank of your life. Yeah. Just because it's a lot of dedication for Molly to read a book, but you know, there's so.
0: I forgot how to read.
2: No, I'm, just kidding.
0: <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I still know. Uh, no, I didn't mean, I, I guess yeah. I didn't mean to come out like. <laughs>
1: I, I don't know how read. to read, and <laughs> frankly, you guys talking about books is a little aggressive. <laughs> yeah, we, had to, we didn't want to micro microaggress against
2: the the literacy challenge. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. But no, it's well when we first started doing the show, you were cramming a full memoir in like yeah. every two weeks, and reading Infinite Jest, and yeah. reading
1: Infinite
0: Jest. Absurd. No, I think the I think the important thing about a podcast is that uh, podcast is it's whatever it's whatever you want it to
2: be. Yeah, it's whatever we want it to be. So yeah. hopefully, we'll be doing these a little more frequently. Uh, you know. Dan, I know that the full announcement for the solo record is coming out. Probably, we'll aim to release this around then. We'll go by your schedule. Yeah, so. it'll be a
1: signing announcement. Yeah. Okay. okay but, cool. Um, we'll we'll hold this
2: until until that's all public. Yeah. But anything else you'd like to say, Molly? Uh,
0: no. Thanks for coming on. Yeah. Um, thanks for having. Me.
1: Should Should we? You know, after this, should we walk outside of the studio and just. Let the rays of the LA sun yeah. hit us. And
0: well, are you are you feel you are you feeling the vibes? I'm this feeling, is a good time. I'm
1: vibing pretty hard in Los Angeles. I don't know. Has anybody ever said anything about how cool California is? <laughs>
0: <laughs> I mean that you know you can check in. Is there you any can never leave. You can check that? out. You can never leave. Yes. Yeah. Uh, uh, lo- low humidity. I'm. I'm wondering if this is the key to the LA magic. Is that uh, the dew point is just to the floor, yeah. and it really <laughs> clears out. Clears out your That's thoughts. Your sinus. Heat. It's it's a dry, you know, it's a dry heat. It's a heat, but it's a dry heat. Uh, well,
2: I will also say just timing wise, it is, uh, 5 PM on Halloween night and, uh, for the first time, we don't live in, in many years, we don't live in an anonymous apartment block where nobody can uh, can get access, access our to. Our door. So we are very much looking forward to passing out candy to adorable children. Yeah. So I think we will and uh, the non-adorable children the, a rate
1: the children. costumes. Yes.
0: Yeah, we're we're gonna we're gonna you need uh, like an
1: Olympic judge style yeah. like card. We're gonna just ra- basically be like three. We're egg. gonna rank
0: them on uh, on danceability, valence, uh, yeah. speech, <laughs> speechiness, yeah. and then they will get their yeah. candy of yeah. choice. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. I'm sorry Tyler. You get a four. <laughs> in, <laughs> you get a four on Spooky Days.
2: Classic ghost. I'm gonna say no. This is a fairly low this valence
1: play, costume.
0: This is uh, played out. This yes. is cliched. Uh, but, uh, go back. Uh, look, you know, watch some movies. Get yeah. The obscure, we need some
2: IP. Year,
1: yeah, uh, coming up. Where's the juice, kid? Yeah.
2: All right, this has been And Introducing. We will have links to all of Dan's projects in the uh, show description. Yes. Uh, you can find a. well, we don't even really tweet anymore, but we might tweet oh, about yeah, this. Oh, yeah,
0: we'll start again. We'll
2: tweet, well, you can find us on Twitter. Well, it's uh,
0: it's X now. We'll, uh, X? we'll X you over there. I don't think we
2: have, we've tweeted from the show account since the tweets became X'd.
0: Oh, someone, uh, the last time I tweeted was uh, someone hopping into the Twitter mentions to say that we did a bad job on our KLF episode. Oh, yes. She she was like, consider like Googling them or something. And I had to respond and be like, it's we just went off the book. Sometimes we have never listened to the people's music before, so I, I just search KLF in the podcast search engine, and you might find a more yes. well-researched podcast. Anyway, that was we were the last reading time the I was manual. We we're Love going off Twitter. The manual. Love Twitter, so cool, so uh, so great. Well, we're at and intro pod on Twitter. We'll be nice to you if you're, uh, it, if you're nice to us.
2: And introducing pod at gmail.com. Yep. and as always at soundcloud.com slash and dash intro dash pod. Mm-hmm. Uh, thanks for listening. We'll be back soon with more words from and by and about music, music. and musicians. <laughs> Bye. 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 You know our hearts beat time, it You
3: know our hearts beat time.